Hi, I'm Susie Wilson, and this is my podcast, Radical Consciousness and Cleansing, a mystical sojourn through the ancient healing of cleansing from then till now. This podcast is going to take us on a journey of our mind, our body, and our spirit, delving into the depths of what does it mean to cleanse, how we reclaim our health physically, spiritually, and emotionally, so that we can live life to our fullest. So welcome and thank you for coming along to Radical Consciousness and Cleansing today. It's such a great pleasure to be here and while all these um, podcasts that I'm doing are uh, around the journey of health, like the Radical Consciousness, what have we got to shift in our thinking so that we can be well, so that we can be really well, um, not just have an absence of disease. And one of the things that I think about is that a big cornerstone of my life has been colon hydrotherapy in the last 20 years. So after I was a social worker for a number of years, um, I became quite burnt out and looking for another journey. And it really was colon hydrotherapy that saved me in so many ways from early menopause to anxiety, mental health issues, depression, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on when we hit around 40, doesn't it? So we change our life up. So colonics has been what I changed my life up into in these last 20 odd years and really taking the therapy and looking at the therapy probably in a different point of view because, you know, we've been doing colonics you know since the Egyptians in some shape or form whether it's in more of an enema style colonic or whether it's a gravity type colonic or whether it's an open type colonic there's so many different ways and we put one you know colonics is uh, defined multiple types of treatment which in itself is a bit of a problem actually but uh, just because we get confused as a consumer about what we're actually purchasing and what we're actually having done so in thinking about these podcasts and thinking about you know because colonics has been such a cornerstone of my life in the last 12 years of my healing journey going up and down and really thinking about what I was taught all those 20 years ago and some of the myths around that that I still hear today it's interesting to hear people talk about colonics these days when we have so much more uh, relevant new up-to-date information on our physiological body on our digestive system about what we have learned about that because you know really we have learned so much um, about our microbial system about the way that our colon works about the way that our digestive works and what types of diets and foods and all those things are needed at different times so when we go and learn about colonics often when we're learning we're learning information that is old so you know 100 years old since dr norman walker was putting his books out in the 60s or uh, dr bernard jensen who was putting you know his books out in the 60s as well and really we've had we do we have had a lot change in our knowledge about our body and we've had the technology change in colonics as well so we don't have to use a bamboo sheath in the nile river anymore like the egyptians or a gourd that we might have used um for an enema a holder enema bag or in fact the digestive system of an animal that we would use as a, a water carrier so we've got technology now that allows us to do colonics in a lot more uh, comfort probably a lot more respect because we don't have to um you know it's a lot it's a lot cleaner may i say that you know my first clinic i ever had 
well, it wasn't the first one, it was about the third. Um, it was pretty tr tremendous and tumultuous because I did have such a huge problem and I didn't actually realise at the time. And when the heavens opened up, gosh, the heavens opened up. But we now have different ways of working and different techniques. And it was for this reason that I thought, you know, I'd like to do a podcast on on colonics itself so that people can start, we can start to dispel some of the myths that we have around colonics and you know, what people are worried about with colonics. So I thought, you know, there's always some good questions and we always get good questions from our clients and our potential clients and from our naysayers as well because, of course, there's many of you out there that would believe that our body is a self-cleaning mechanism, that we don't need to put in anything in our bottom to make us clean. And do you know what? You're right. Our body is an amazing self-cleaning mechanism. It's, in fact, amazing. We have our liver to help cleanse. We have our colon that helps cleanse. We have our immune system. We have our bacterias. We have, you know, all of these amazing little mechanisms in there to self-clean. That's how our body was designed. I totally agree with that. One of the hiccups that I come with, though, with this theory is that our body was designed a long time ago. And when our body was designed, supermarkets weren't, nor were pharmaceutical companies, nor were chemical companies, like for the farming. So... Our body now is dealing um, numbers, you know, different numbers that we have in our food, whether it's 6281 or 8134 or whatever it is. We didn't have all of those things when our body was invented. And when our body was invented, it was designed to break down three things for nutrition that all in, at the end of the day turned out as glucose for our energy, for our cells. But it's in fact fats, proteins and carbohydrates. That is what our body was designed to break down. It hasn't been and we don't have the enzymes and we aren't evolved enough yet to actually break down anything further. So one of these first myths of our body is a self-cleaning mechanism, I think we need to update that because I don't think our body can cope with the amount of overload that it's got these days. And that's just, you know, without even thinking about our environmental toxins that we work with, every day with what we actually put in our body if you're putting creams etc on your body that um, have got different numbers in it because of course everything goes straight through the skin we yes our body is designed but our body is overloaded and I think that one of the ways that we can actually see this is the amount of autoimmune disease with the amount of uh, cancers with the amount of sickness with the amount of diabetes our bodies aren't coping we are actually doing something fundamentally wrong so what colonics does is that it supports our elimination organs it helps our liver out so if our liver's had a really rough weekend we can actually have some colonics give it some hydration and help it get rid of some of those extra toxins the other thing that um and it's not you know the again the myth was that we would have a clinic once a year you would do it once a year and that was ample and again it's like mm, no um and in fact i have found over the years you know when i first started Doing colonics 20 years ago, um, whilst people were very strong about once every six months or once every 12 months, um, I would say once a week and then we would get it down to once a month. These days we actually do treatment programs and we do five consecutive sessions. We find great outcomes with that, particularly for people that are really struggling with a health issue and we have to get on top of it. So five sessions in a row is what we can now recommend, but definitely weekly and a maintenance of a month. That's changed a little of 
of the old days about once every 12 months and a part of that is because of the sicknesses that we are now dealing with with the toxicity that we're now dealing with and how our body is got space to eliminate those because often we don't give our body space to eliminate either because we're constantly eating and we can't cleanse when we're eating so um that's another thing so yes the old myth of once every 12 months we're changing that up we're saying you know if a good maintenance plan for really good health for longevity um for prevention for for good skin hormones happiness let's do one a month once you get your health to where you want it to be another question we often get asked is how um does it hurt it must hurt and it's a funny question isn't it because of course i'm going to say no it doesn't hurt we wouldn't want to intentionally hurt anyone but can it feel uncomfortable if you have a really bad um constipation problem you might get an urge that you want to push while you're on the table you know and to be very honest with you when i first started clinics i would measure the level of my stress by the painfulness of my colonic which i know sounds weird and i used to give myself colonics <laughs> I didn't have any therapists in those days but it would be I would have to talk myself through the process sometimes and it was only because my stress level was so high so my small intestine was very tight and that made the colonic actually painful so and when I say painful it's not painful as in I'm going to you know when you get a cut or something it's an uncomfortability that you feel like you want to poo and i think sometimes people are worried that they're going to poo on the table they're going to make a mess again getting embarrassed with themselves so again this is another issue um and that's what we get scared about and we think about it's hurt because we certainly had our pride and can i just say that you know i'm going to be very truthful you know on the very odd occasion we might have a leakage um that's not such a big deal the way we've got everything set up at bottoms up at all but 9 times out of 10 there's not we've actually developed or I have developed this approach over the last 10 years that allows for very gentle sessions that allows for checking in with our clients and and not have that leakage because we're now working these days a lot more with our nervous system with our body understanding that it's not when we're doing a colonic we're not just cleaning out the colon we're working with your nervous system and your hormonal system so there's some things that we do through the session to make sure it's very calm and we want to keep everything calm for you throughout that session so the 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 risk of then um a, a leakage becomes minimal no it doesn't really hurt it can get uncomfortable can i make a mess of myself maybe 1 in 10 make sure with bottoms up or with any person you go to you're communicating with your therapist and they're communicating with you very well throughout the session so that doesn't happen Another question we get asked often is um that we can't have colonic cuz we'll take out all the good bacteria. I think that that was when we didn't really understand how our bacteria work and the knowledge that we've now got over the last 10 years. And I work from a earth perspective. I work from the soil. So we have soil within our colon um uh, much like the soil that we have in our garden and it's full of bacteria and good bad and the ugly as is our soil in our garden and if the soil in our garden is unhealthy we will find that we grow more weeds than we 
grow good sunflowers and vegetables. So it's much the same in our colon. So we know that we want to build a very good bacteria in there. Our bacteria as well, our enzymes help break our food down. So do our bacteria, of course. They break that fibre down so we can do a nice poop. So what we want to do is making sure that with the colonic that we don't we're soaking this garden we're soaking up to get rid of the weeds but not necessarily all the good what we need to remember and just put into our mind is that every time we do a poop we are actually getting rid of like 80 percent of that is dead cells and bacteria. every time we're pooping so we, we want to have a changeover we don't want any stagnation happening in your colon so does a colonic take away all your good bacteria no, it might take some, of course, and we actually do infusions at the end of our session and we put those back in and we also give you a shot. So we're always replacing because that's what we should be doing. We always want to replace. But more importantly, we want to make room for more good bacteria to grow because while the body is pathogenic, while it's... Uh, um, got more weeds, so you've got an overgrowth of candida or a parasite or inflammation, then you're going to have less good bacteria. So we want to clean that up so that they can actually grow. So does a colonic get rid of good bacteria? No, that's a myth that I would like to dispel and say that we are we are helping find homeostasis with that, with balance with that. But, of course, we're always replacing. Some people worry about cramps and, and whether they might even get a cramp after a session. You know, sometimes this can happen, and particularly if you've had a very big uh, colonic and you've released a lot, a truckload, um, what actually happens is that when, if you look at pictures of colon that have lots of poop caught around in it, and we actually remove that out, we're going to release gas pockets. Often this will get caught in our splenic flexure, which is on our left side, because Physiology, our colon actually goes up a hill on that flexure, which is on that on right hand side underneath your rib cage. And and gas can get caught in there. And sometimes that can be painful. Um, so after a session, if that does happen, um, I would suggest that you lie on your left hand side, you get some peppermint oil and put on there and uh, put a heat pack on there and give it a little massage just down that transverse colon towards your left hand side. And just know that allow yourself to let release that gas if you're worried about people around you. Of course, if there's any time that you feel uncomfortable or in pain, call us up, find out what's going on. And if you are really worried, you would call the hospital. Don't, don't mess around with that. Um, but, you know, typically it's gas and typically if you give us a call, we can sort it out. And it can be sorted out like that or you might come back in and we have found people will come back in for a session pretty much straight away like the next day and they might release a big parasite or they might release a whole lot of gas on the on the bed so it is a trap gas typically that causes the pain or if you've got a huge high impaction we've released something and now we've got something else that's trying to move through but it can't so you might need some assistance with that so of course let us know Another big myth that we get is that um, you can't have colonics because um, uh, it will make your bowel lazy. And I find that fascinating. And I've proven that wrong to be so many, so many times because I work with people over the years with constipation. And if we make the bowel lazy, our constipation will get worse, where in fact it actually makes it better. 
And I always tell the story about one of my most favourite clients from when I first started many years ago when I was in Mackay and um, an older lady and, and, and a few actually. And they had got to the stage that they couldn't control their colon and they wouldn't go out and they were starting to become socially isolated, which is very sad. I mean, you don't want that to happen, you know. So um, they came and they we got them to the point where we actually did improve the bowel integrity. They were able to go out. They were able to control their colon and uh, have good bowel movements again. It is a muscle. Your colon's a muscle. We can retrain it, reteach it, just like any other muscle that's been to the gym um, and it hasn't been there for a while. We have to improve that integrity. Sometimes, if it's been a long time, colons can stretch and they can lose a lot of integrity. So to get that back depends on the amount of years that it's been like that and you've had that stretch and where that stretch is, whether it's in your sigmoid colon or transverse. But we can. There is hope there. So we certainly don't make your bowel lazy. And, in fact, there's a research paper of a hospital where soldiers used to go and there was the nurse that would go on and they were all spinal injury ones. And the nurse would go on every morning and give them all an enema at 10 a.m. And one day this nurse um, couldn't come in the next day to do that enema at 10 a.m. But all of those soldiers who all had spinal injuries still actually went to the toilet. So it is, you know, it is a process of um, teaching the colon again, strengthening that muscle. And no, colonics definitely doesn't make our colon lazy. That is for sure. We've had a lot of um, children lately um, being constipated and I have a lot of people asking, why do children get constipated? You know, it's actually concerning. Uh, um, it's actually concerning the amount of childhood constipation we've got and I think that we have to look at three things and I think you have to look at critically at this at yourself and it's not about judgment it's about where we've got ourselves caught in a loop in this busy lifestyle that we have but we have to think about food hydration and stress level and time um, how often are we rushed in the morning and we don't get a chance to sit on the toilet and give ourselves time to do a poop now you need to remember children need this time as well and put their little feet up on a stool and they need to start to get into this habit so if it's like too much busy in the morning they're too stressed they won't poop um, and they will hold on children become very good holder-oners and they will hold on at school or if they go out because they don't want to go and use a public toilet if they have a worry about that. Their food, if children don't have a variety of their food, of whole foods and are eating a lot of processed foods, whether it's vegan or whether it's meat or whether it's paleo or whatever it is, if you're not giving your child whole food, so as in fresh fruit and vegetable, your grains, whatever they might be, then they're not going to poop. And it really does rely on you as a parent. And I can hear all you parents out there, well, what do I feed them? They won't eat any of that. I'm pretty hard when it comes to that, viewers. I, um, listeners, I, I've never seen a child die of starvation in Australia. And we are the caregivers. So we're bringing the food into the house. So what food are we bringing into the house? They can go to the fridge and they can buy their cut up apples or oranges or fruit or whatever it is that you want to give them or a bowl of chai or, or sausages, whatever it is. But they'll go there and they'll find that actually in the fridge instead of your packaged processed foods. 
So just be aware of that, that it is important about what you put in front of them and they go hungry for a couple of days. They'll soon work it out because you feeding them because it's making you feel better at food like a meat pie is probably not going to help them. It's not going to help them with any nutrient. They're not going to absorb it. And in fact, it's going to make their constipation worse. The other thing um, is hydration. Children need to drink water and nothing replaces water so if you again say your child doesn't drink water then we take away the other things until they get thirsty enough and they will drink water um and it's cordials don't cut it fruit juices don't cut it um they need broths don't cut it they need to have just good old-fashioned water and just check in with them that they are drinking water and remember that children are often the barometers of our family. So if we've got going through stress for whatever reason in our family at the moment, children will often pick that up and you'll always find one that's a little bit more sensitive than the others and they might be the constipated ones or the diarrhoea ones. It will come either way, but they might be the expressing that um, in the family. So just check in with them on that and check in with yourselves as a family on that. So, yeah, a few reasons why kids can get constipated, but we need... Four things, we need good food, good hydration, time to poop, giving them time and a routine every day to do that, putting their feet up on a, on a stool to do that and making sure that they're not carrying too much stress. And even for kids, that worry, just the worry. Um, our digestive and our children need to have consistency. So they like to know what's happening next. They always like to know what's happening tomorrow and the next day. So if we can get them into a routine and putting into that a poo time, then that actually can help with their little belly. I often get asked or, or, or told by people that um, they only poo once a week and is that enough? They've been to their doctor and, and the doctor has said, yes, you know, once a week, is if that's your habit, then that's your habit. Can I suggest to you that if you're pooing once a week, that's not okay. And you might have a redundant colon. You might have an extra long colon, which will make pooing very tricky, very hard no matter what you do, um, which then takes on different um, um, things that you need to do to make sure that you do um, release. Remember, if you think about all the food that you've eaten this week and put it on a table, and if you're not cleaning anything out, where is it all going? Um, and you can feel your belly about your distension, so check that out. And, and link back in, because often when we have long-term constipation, we we forget about the pain, and I know that firsthand, and we start to just get used to it. We become accustomed to it. So just be aware of be aware of that we want to they say the people that are, are purists would say we need to be pooping three times a day after each meal um, I say once a day I say once every second day depending on the length of your colon <clears throat> your activity your hydration but we really shouldn't be going any longer than that and you will note in yourself you will note in yourself how you feel after you do a poop. And if you're leaving it so long and then it builds up and it's quite painful or you have a cold sweat or it hurts, well, we know you're constipated, so you might need some help with that. So get online with us if you like and we can do a consultation with you on that even. But we don't want that to stay because long-term constipation out there, it's high risk with that and the high risk of 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 cancer, um, of irritable bowel, of ulcerative colitis, of Crohn's, of a range of things, autoimmune, <clears throat> diabetes, 
when we've got a stagnant colon, we've got a stagnant body. So we really do need to, you know, clean that up and um, and start to get into a good routine and start to change that routine up if it's not so great. A lot of people get confused with what is a colonic and is it different to a colonoscopy? We have some people coming to us and asking, do we need to have medication to have a colonic? And it really is about a confusion. So I might just go through a few things here. So no, it's, it's very different to a colonoscopy. A colonoscopy is about a diagnosis um, and they are going in with a camera to look all around your colon. So a colonic is nothing like that. A colonoscopy is something that you do in a hospital with a gastroenterologist. So that's a colonoscopy for a specific diagnostic function. Then we have colonics. And under colonics, Bernard, there's actually a couple of different colonics as well. We have a closed colonic and an open colonic. And we have an enema. So an enema is something that you might do at home yourself. It's typically with a bag or a bucket and you will hang that up in your bathroom. Typically put some water or coffee or other infusion in and try and hold that for as long as you can and then you release that on the toilet. That's an enema that you would typically do at home. Then we have an open system, an open colonic, and that's where you lie on a moulded bed, if you like. A little tube is into your bottom and then it's up to your bowel's own integrity and the water to actually remove any matter that is in typically your sigmoid colon because we really are just working that area unless you're very good at that and can actually bring that water in and you have good bowel integrity. But that's an open system and you're in the room by yourself in your moulded bed and using your bowels, only integrity in the water for that to slip, um, to come away. And then we have closed colonics. And we have in closed colonics, we also have a couple of different words that people use to dispel a few more myths. So we have a gravity colonic, and that's where the holding tanks are typically on the wall. And the therapist uses the hoses to determine the pressure that's in the colon and to release. And that's called a gravity. And that's come from the old times as well. <clears throat> and has worked magically for, for many, many years. Um, so we have our gravity system. And then we have what, well, people call it a pressurised system, which I debunk, and we don't use pressure at all. We have a closed system, um, and it's not. it has a pressure gauge on it to determine the pressure you've got in the colon, um, but we certainly don't use pressure in putting the water in. We can actually adjust the flow rate very, very, very dribbly. Um, on those devices and technology has increased over the years which allows us to give a better colonic I believe and then we have different techniques so underneath colonic if you have a different technique so the technique we teach is the Rogers technique and that's where we are working with the five systems of care where we're working with understanding the importance of um, really deep hydration within the colonic and how we hold that water throughout the session and we've got a particular particular technique to do that, understanding we're working with the nervous system, the lymphatic system, microbial system, emotional system, and of course, the digestive system. Then there's that, so there's the Rogers technique, which is what we do at Bottoms Up. And then there's a range of other techniques, depending on who the teacher is, typically, you will find it. Some people lie on their side, some people lie on their back. And then some people use herbs. So you'll find in the old days and how I was taught, we had a lot, we used a lot of herbs because we were taught from naturopaths. 
and we use a lot of herbs throughout the treatment, which we still do at Bottoms Up. We do infusions, a retention one, or we do a continuous implant where we're putting different um, herbs or supports like aloe vera or chlorophyll um, through the colon, um, through the water as well. So we can do that in the colonic as well. So as you can see, there's quite a lot of different ways of doing colonic. And it is a bit like your research. It's a little bit like finding your good hairdresser, you know, you find your good therapist because we do go on a journey with the therapist on a healing journey. And with Bottoms Up, we do treatment plans. We, we, we really want to partner with you to get the most out of this life and feel so, so well each time that you do that. So, yeah, range of different colonics, range of different techniques. So just do your homework and check that out. Another big question I'm often asked is that, and, and it is believed still, about how colonics might perforate the bowel. I find always is fascinating and I just can't even fathom how that would happen, to be honest. We put a speculum just into the rectal area. That's the only area. Um, in a closed colonic, that is a guided speculum, so it's all moulded and guided. We work with the sphincter muscle, so as that's going in, the sphincter muscle's taking it in, so you're not working against anything. And it only really goes up um, into the rectum. It doesn't go any further than the rectum. And the water we feel, um, we can actually are telling by the pressure, so we're never overfilling because we, with the closed system, are also encouraging that water to release as well. I, I'm not quite sure how we might perforate that way. The colonoscopy has a risk, and this is where language can happen. Colonoscopy can have a risk because they're putting a scope all the way around your colon, um, and that can, if the colon hasn't been cleaned well, if there's a... Um, a thinning of the lining, then that that could accidentally go through and perforate the colon. We our approach is very gentle. The amount of pressure we get in the colon is way more than what would normally be in there anyway. As I said, we can read that um, and we keep that very low. So perforation, I don't know of anyone. I know there's been a couple in the media. Um, pertaining more to open systems. I know that people say in hospitals that it happens, and I've heard that over time. Um, my belief is that is colonoscopy, not colonics. I can only go on what I know in the clinic over the last 20 years, and I've never had a client or any of my clinics have ever had a client with perforation. And there's like 20-odd thousand clients there. So we haven't had that problem. Um, and I haven't heard about that problem in the industry, to be honest, other than a couple of news articles that I know from, um, again, the open system. The other question that I often get asked is how much water do we use? That's so variable. We could use five litres or we could use... 20 litres. It really does depend on the, the length of your colon, the hydration and dehydration of your colon, the impaction that you've got going on there, um, and how many sessions have you had, if any, of colonics before. It's very, very variable on how much water we would use. It's not like an animal where you can have a whole litre that you're putting in your tank and it's like, okay, I'm going to put that in there. It doesn't work like that for us in how we do the sessions. It's very much a process of very slowly putting water in there and holding. So the water actually is not huge because we don't rush it through um, 
in the old days how I was initially taught, we actually put the water in fast and it went through fast. We don't do that. So as an example, which is going to mean nothing to the listeners, but in the old days, a flow rate of 60, we now might do a flow rate of 20. So we've reduced how quickly that water is coming out markedly, markedly, markedly. So, yeah, it's hard to know how much water we actually use. The other question that I get asked a lot is how do we heal the small intestine? Because a lot of people talk about biofilm and, you know, the small intestine. How does that happen? The way that we do the session, and, and again, this is a bit new thinking about how do we, how do, we do colonics? Because in the old days, it was different. In the old days, we used to um, just think about colonics as cleaning the colon, and that was all. And, and that was basically what our, our aim was, cleaning out the fecal matter. And that, was it. that really was its aim. Um, and then people that went to the next step knew that it also cleaned the liver. So we helped remove the toxins off the liver because the liver stores a lot of toxins. So we knew that to be the case. In the last years and how I look at it, we're cleaning the small intestine through a number of ways. We, we have to understand the physiology of the body. So we have to understand that on our large colon, we have a blood system. It's called a mesenteric system. So it's taking anything that's in the colon, it's actually taking that back through to the portal system and into the liver. And that includes the hydration. That then goes from the liver back through the small intestine and back out again. So in that one way itself, we're hydrating and adding more hydration into the colon. The next thing is that we have a lymphatic system attached. So the lymphatic system is also attached to the colon, which also then absorbs water, which is also then absorbing the blood, as in cleaning the blood with this extra water. So that all comes back through the small intestine. We also have on our transverse colon, we have a huge amount of perforations of tiny, tiny, tiny little holes where the water actually is absorbed intracellularly through the body. So this is another way that it happens in the way that we actually have our technique and hold this water. I can only say to you that I can only know the results. So I know that there's a lot of people out there will go, well, no, it's a one-way valve, the ileocecal valve, we can't get water into the small intestine. I can only say to you people that in my years in practice that with the amount of results that I've got from people that have been trying to get rid of heavy metals or get through the biofilm, um, kids might have been injured from vaccines. I've had parents call me and say they couldn't believe how much their metal, how mental, their heavy metals had dropped. That's all telling me signs at the small intestine. When we're actually dealing with people's IBS or people's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, when we're actually dealing with that, we know that we're actually cleaning up the small intestine because we're getting the health results at the other end. And I believe through those different ways. So, yes, we can't have water go back through the ileocecal valve. We hope that should be closed. That's a nice tight sphincter. But in these other ways of the lymphatic, of the hydration, and just intracellularly and 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 by osmosis, you know, like our, our body isn't in silos in there. It's all connected. So it's all looking at itself or, or, or working on itself. It's all connected to each other. It all sits on each other. So I think that we do work on hydrating, not just the small intestine, but every single cell in your body. And we're doing that because we're putting that extra water through into the blood system to be circulated. Another big question we get asked is, do we put anything else in the water? Um, or is it just water? So for bottoms up, um, we do water, of course, filtered water. 
Um, but we also offer two things. We offer a range of different herbal infusions, whether that might be chamomile, chlorophyll, aloe vera, vitamin C, um, fermented aloe vera, which has our probiotics in it, um, chamomile or coffee. It, it depends on what the person's coming for and bacteria. At the end of every session, we finish off with a implant of um, bacteria, either from our beetle juice or coconut keva. The other thing that we can use is ozone at bottoms up as well. So that's just good for pathogenics. It cleans up, it cleans up and gets rid of pathogens, candida. It's just a good disinfectant, you know. It has really good um, research around cancer as well. So, yeah, at Bottoms Up, we do add different things to our water, depending on the client. And, of course, we'll always ask if there's a if there's a reason that you can't have something, we wouldn't definitely put it in. But the idea is if you can drink something, then we can infuse something. That's sort of nice to remember if you're thinking about enemas at home as well. How long does the session go? Um, and can you tell if we have cancer or something wrong with our bowel disease is often another question we get asked. Um, a session, you're on the table typically in our clinic for 45 minutes. If you're having a coffee retention implant or any other type of retention implant, you'll be on the table for an hour. That's typically uh, a good time for people. I've had people over the years ask me, can I do a double session? It's like your body gets tired. You know, like you go to the gym for your hour or your 45 minutes in the gym and, and that's it. You can't do any more. Your muscles get fatigued. Well, your colon's the same. It also gets fatigued. So we want to just go a little bit um, gentler and, you know, you can come back the next day. But typically 45 minutes works really, really really well um doing colonics we do not diagnose anything so we can't tell whether you've got cancer or anything like that in your colon um and we wouldn't want to however if there's things that we are worried about or that we see we would suggest you go and get checked out so and you know if we see blood um we would ask you to go and check in with your doctor um i personally have felt like um someone's belly and it felt like um there was something particularly wrong there. I got them to check it out and they had a huge fibroid, the size of a football actually. So there's times that we might just feel or see something and then it's like um, we would suggest that you go to the doctor, but we never diagnose. That's not a part of our, our what we can do. We don't do that. What we can tell that coming through the tube is that we can see if you're chewing your food, we can look at undigested food particles. We can look at candida and what that might look like and if that's an issue for you. Um, systemic candida, um, some people might know it as thrush. Is a, it, candida is an issue. It, thrush is a symptom of candida really. Um, but candida can be systemic. It can be throughout your body, and it really is a health issue. We find it a lot in people with high sugar diets, high stress, high alcohol, high worry. Um, if our body's too acid, it, candida will take over, and it will do that systemically. So we can see that through coming through the tubes. Uh, sometimes we can see parasites. We can see different types of parasites that might come through. We've got to set up that allows us to see that a bit more. So um, you might see parasites, but can I say about parasites, there's always confusion about this too. It's like, I've really got parasites inside us. It's like, well, you know what? I cannot, there's three things that I do when I have someone having parasite cleansers and I've seen it too much in my life and I know that people say, well, you can't prove that, but I can tell by the person's physiology. So when I have a client on the table, I, and if they're going to release parasites, often, often, not always, but often they're quite grumpy. They're quite like 
on edge and just, you know, wanted. The other thing that will tell me that they're going to release a parasite is that they're actually are finding a little bit painful. They're finding a little bit gassy. We can't get much water in. If parasites come away, they come away in the first 15 minutes, unless it's fluke. Liver fluke can come away more at the end of the session, which makes sense. They can be a bit grumpy. It can be a bit painful when we're starting. The next way I'll know it's a parasite is that I can see it coming through the tube and it's like, oh, this looks like something different. It actually has a different energy about it. And then with um, the client, I can see them actually change. And once it goes and they see it, they will tell me, it's like, do you think it is? And it's like, oh, my gosh, you, they feel physically different. So this is how, these are the reasons that I think that they're parasites and how parasites can leave their body. Whether they are or not, it's sort of irrelevant because it's making the person better, whether it's one parasite, a stream of parasites, a nest of parasites, whether it's mucus with heavy metals in it, whatever it is, it's actually now gone and the person feels better. So they're the sites of things that we can see and that we talk with you about in the clinic um, so that we can actually help improve, you know, your health journey and where you're going. The other question is, uh, oh, can I have colonics if I have ulcerated colitis or a flare-up or a bleed? And the answer to that is no. Like if you've got a flare-up and you're bleeding, we certainly don't want to go in there and agitate that anymore. However, can we work with ulcerated colitis outside of a flare-up? Yeah, we can. Um, but we do ask you to do some different things and we do take quite a detailed case history just to look at what's actually going on um, with you and what you've tried so far and, and you know, what we want to do differently to try and make this work in the future. So, um, yeah, but not with a flare-up, not not with a flare-up. And, you know, we've had people with very severe ulcerative colitis and they have amazing results, um, amazing results, as in they don't have to be hospitalised anymore or on antibiotics anymore. So there's certainly a lot of work that can happen around that. I get another question of... Um, about pregnancy, like whether people can have a clonic with um, pregnancies. And the, the easy answer is yes. If you've done IVF and you've just found out you're pregnant, no. Um, the first trimester we would typically say no, just because particularly if you've been working very hard to have that pregnancy, we don't want to come in there and, um, and just add any risk. Not that it does, because I've worked with many, many women in their first trimester, but we just don't want to add any extra risk or variables to that pregnancy in the first trimester. Um, in the middle trimester, yes, for sure. In the last trimester, it depends on you, your history with colonics um, and where you're at. And sometimes if it's more at the end of pregnancy, because people do get quite constipated or can with pregnancy, um, they might lie on their, come in and lie on their side and have a colonic because we've got the bubba on top. Um, and that can sometimes help. So it also depends in that last trimester whether you're already a client of ours and what, you, what your history has been in the past. I guess another question people ask is, you know, I talked a little bit about it before, but, you know, how many, like how many will I need to get myself well? And it's like asking how long is a piece of string? And we, we really try not to get into that mindset, actually, because it's an old medical way of thinking that you go to the doctor, you've got a headache, you get a headache pill and you get better. Or you go to your, um, you know, go to the go to the doctor and 
he gives you something for your pain. Um, that's not really how it works with health in the alternate sector, I don't believe. And, yeah, I don't believe that. I think that we have a health journey and I think that at different stages in our life that that health journey is different, you know, depending on what's going to come up for us. So we're constantly being well. And you might come in and out. You might choose to do a couple of parasite cleanses this year and then just see us a couple of times outside of that um, because it's got to fit in with your lifestyle. The idea is, though, you make it fit, that you make it a part of it as an integral part. I really do believe that. I think, you know, our cleansing and the load on our body like we spoke about before is so much these days and we could prevent a lot if we just had a better hydrated cell, more space to eliminate toxins um, and better bacteria. We could actually deal with a lot of things like our diabetes and some of our autoimmunes as well. So having colonics is like other alternate medicines. It's like you're going on a journey, you know, you might come on and like we do water fast, one water fast every season. There's one coming up at the end of August. So you can do a water fast and in that time you might do some colonics as well because anytime we're fasting or cleansing, we want to support the body. We, You know, I know that when I fast, if I don't have a colonic on day two or something because my bowels are, uh, are slower, then basically my body still has to regurgitate and get rid of all of that. Whereas if I go and have a colonic, I now am fasting and I'm now healing at a cellular level. That's pretty cool. And you always get amazed about what comes away when you fast. It's like I haven't eaten for three days and I've still got all this coming away. And your body would have had to be dealing with that had you not removed it. So you know if you're fasting if you're cleansing colonics are always a really big part of that one of the things and i might just finish up on this and, and i've talked about cellular memory on these podcasts before but you know when we have people come to us and they aren't well and and talking about you know how does our body talk to us and i think this is a beautiful thing for you to start to have an acknowledgement of and a scan and think about what is my body saying to me in my and, and specifically your colon your your digestive system start to take note about what food you ate yesterday and what your energy's like today start to take note about you've eaten food now how tired are you in like a couple of hours time you've eaten food now and are you feeling bloated is your belly distended you know have you drunk enough water today or are you are you feeling like that you could drink more water start to listen to your body when it comes to the digestion start to understand that your digestion is alchemy so whatever you're putting into your mouth your body's going to transform that into a cell that can be a liver cell a heart cell a brain cell so when we're actually eating that we're going to be thinking what are you going to be doing in my body what are you going to alchemize into so we certainly don't want to have something in there that it can't do anything with and it's just going to add another toxin that's going to sit inside another fat cell which if we're eating processed foods, unfortunately, is probably what's going to happen. So none of that, guys, none of that. I hope that today's um, podcast has given you some insight into the beautiful cleansing modality and healing modality of neighbor medicine, of water therapy, of colon hydrotherapy, of the Rogers technique that we do here at Bottoms Up. It's been such a beautiful journey for me in the last 10, uh, 20 years, um, putting together this therapy and starting to learn and and respect it and revere it. And in fact, I always have 
But I was always work, trying to work it out where it actually went. And now I feel like we've got a beautiful technique that we're bringing into the 20th century that is now more important than ever for us to be actually helping our body cleanse and supporting these cleansing pathways to live the best version of the life that we can. So beautiful listeners, feel the, the earth beneath your feet the sun on your face and the love in your heart. I look forward to uh, chatting with you again in the next couple of weeks. Before we go, if you want more information on radical consciousness and cleansing, head to our website, bottomsupcolonics.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe or follow, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast as this will help others find us and also let you know when the next episode is published. You can also connect with us on our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Bottoms Up Colonics. Until next time, I'm Susie Wilson. Thanks for listening to Radical Consciousness and Cleansing.